Welcome to That'll Preach, a weekly show on the Four Oaks Midtown podcast. I'm Brian. I'm here hanging with Paul. Like always, back again this week with some scintillating new content for you. Paul, tell the world how you're doing. How are you doing this week? I am scintillating. That which was a great use of the strange. word. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why... Uh, and when applied to you, that just sounds so bizarre. The weather is gorgeous. The weather is the gorgeous. The sun is setting as we're recording this. These, these Life are, these is are just the, beautiful. Right. These are the couple weeks that Tallahassee is just like, you're like, oh, this it's is actually wonderful. Nice. Yeah. 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 And yeah, then yeah. it becomes terrible. Well, then you can actually have like campfires and stuff or bonfires outside. and. But it's only this small little sliver window. of, yeah. And then only it a just small becomes terrible. Sliver of hope. Yeah. Then it's just bad. But while it's here, we're going to enjoy it. But uh, I got a hot take for you. Oh man! I, know, now that we started this whole thing, we're going to start every show <laughs> with a hot take. Is it bad that this is the part of the show that I most look forward to? That is very bad. It's probably, probably. the only show, part of the show that people listen to. Yeah, then they just all the other content out. they just skip. Over. That's right. But we got to give the people what they want. You Go know what I'm saying? It. So this is all right. Here's my hot take, and mm-hmm. this is for real. I mean, I mean this. I think goat cheese is disgusting. <laughs> goat cheese is disgusting. Horrible what? aftertaste. It's bitter. <laughs> I mean, it's just disgusting. What are you What are you talking about? Goat cheese. First of all, goat cheese is not just one kind of cheese. You're saying all goat cheeses all goat suck. cheese. Every <clears throat> type of goat that it comes from, every like, type of cheese a goat creates, <laughs> whatever flavor, it's disgusting. And that I mean, I'm getting the sense that you just have like a very unrefined palate. You Why, don't like the Beatles. You when, don't like goat cheese. When did goat cheese become a thing? When did that become a thing that everybody puts on their salads and? I'm pretty sure like it was in the Bible. You just had like goats and you'd make goat cheese. And it's like readily available. It's good with cranberries. It's good on crackers. It's like very spreadable. Do you like cream cheese? I do. Okay. So goat cheese is just like a more. No, the taste. It's got the. Don't you. (laughs) There's this aftertaste with goat cheese. Of deliciousness. It's like bitter. Don't you. You know what I'm talking about? But like most people, like with sophisticated palates, like don't bitter coffee, do that. I don't even know beer. what sophisticated means. So and I'm offended by that. <laughs> I don't use that sophisticated. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Talk. What what is your favorite cheese? I like pepper jack. I'm okay. mozzarella cheese. So you like Parmesan the, cheese? Those like are all good cheeses. The basic cheeses, right? Don't call them basic. So you're basic, Brian. Oh you're BB. Gosh. I'm telling you, though, it, it just doesn't. I don't get the goat cheese thing. Maybe it's a status symbol. Maybe that's the thing. Everything to use a status symbol. The that's Beatles true. were a status symbol. We talked about pineapple on pizza. If somebody as a status ever ate symbol. goat cheese while listening to the Beatles, I would probably never talk to that person. <laughs> that's the surefire way to just like get yeah, Brian to leave you be, alone. Yeah. 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 I'm going to get you that for your birthday. Like a, just a beetle shaped. Cheese. Yeah. But like shaped in the head of a beetle, like one of the beetles. Oh my gosh. That'd be <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> just, uh, do you really like goat cheese? I do. Yeah. I think, I think it's good. And it pairs very well with like tart fruits, like oh, cranberries no. and stuff like that. No, no, no. I, it, you know, whenever I get salads. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll. You just don't get salads. What? It's just when you see those little bits of white, you're just like, oh, it's ruined. But it's like ruined. you don't put goat All cheese in salads. You put feta cheese in salads. Oh, I hate feta cheese too. <laughs> Both of those. Both of those I hate. What? Okay, so first off, you confused goat cheese with feta cheese, which is ridiculous and I now you don't like feta cheese either that's they're both disgusting what I is think, i just oh, can't man. stand them they're the aftertaste i just don't know how to get over it. i don't know why i that's 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 weird 
But I guess it does make sense if you don't like goat cheese that you also don't like feta. I don't know what they do to this cheese to make it so delicious. Ah, I don't know. Maybe you just need a religious conversion, which is what we're going to talk about today. You need someone to evangelize evangelize you. Yeah, you need to evangelize (laughs) me to like goat cheese. I don't have the (laughs) goddess to do a work to change my taste buds. You're just not desire. Yeah, goat cheese. Now oh, here we go. Wow, this, that, that I love the tenuous connections. Landing into there. All right. Well, look, <laughs> that is what we are talking about today. We're going to talk about evangelism. This is part of our series on the church. Yep. On why the church matters, why we need it, and evangelism. You know, oftentimes it's thought of more maybe as just an individual kind of thing. So mm-hmm. Like church is more about worshiping God and your own fellowship with other Christians and evangelism is just like in your workplace, your roommates, classmates, all that stuff. But uh, evangelism was a task given to the church. So we don't just go out as individuals. We go out as a church to be a witness in our communities and in in the world and all that stuff. So I think that having a a corporate understanding of evangelism is important, but also just a a practical understanding. When we talk about evangelism at, at its most base form, what are we talking about and why is it important? I have this great quote here. I don't know where it comes from, but it's still great. So I'm going to say it. Do it. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Hmm. And so if you think of it like that, it it sort of removes the spookiness from evangelism. It, it, It reminds you that everyone started off or starts off on the same playing field. We're all beggars. We're all lost. Someone gives you bread and your job is just, hey, that's the guy who's got bread over there. And so that's all that we're doing. That's a good way to frame it because you're, you're trying to give, you're not trying to get somebody to join your club right. to pay membership fees or something like that. You, there's something, I mean, it's it, for a, their good, right? There's an right. acknowledgement that we need something. Everybody yes. needs something. Mm-hmm. There's nobody who exists who doesn't have this need. Right. And it's offered. Right. And it's a gift. Mm-hmm. People can have it. Right. And, and out of your gratitude that you have bread, it creates a desire to share that bread with other people. Mm, yeah. So that, that does seem to be a very biblical view yeah. of, of the kind of joy we should have in evangelism, the joy we should have in our own faith. I mean, I, I think um, maybe maybe we don't have that view because we don't really appreciate all that God has done in conversion, all that God has done for us. I know mm. that that's a temptation Especially the longer you're a Christian, it's more of a temptation. You sure. sort of just fall into a routine and, mm-hmm. and you forget sort of that new <clears throat> believer zeal of like, wow, everything's new and this is incredible. My right, sins are forgiven right. and I know God and all these new things. That just pop like up. with marriage. Not that either of us would know, but yeah, I've heard married hypothetically people. Hypothetically <laughs> speaking, right, right. Yeah, the, the excitement wears off after, after a while. <clears throat> when we talk about evangelism, though, um, and maybe this is a little bit of a caricature just to prove a point, just to be a little hyperbolic, but it, it does seem like it falls into sort of two extremes. On the one extreme, you have uh, the kind of, um, you know, the evangelism that's like, well, I'm just I'm just a good person around people. And then maybe someday, you know, after football practice, they ask me, why are you such a cool guy? Why are you such a nice guy? You know, and you just... <laughs> friends for a long time, you just hope your actions will speak and prompt a conversation, but you're not really forthright and you're not really saying anything Mm -hmm. of substance about your faith or even making any claims about truth or anything like that. So it's just a very passive type of evangelism that maybe in a lot of cases 
doesn't actually end up to anything, sure. right? Then you have the other side where it's just like, you're knocking on doors, you're, it's sort of the, uh, you know, the Christian movies where the student stands up and says, <laughs> you will not deny God. And he's just like, you know, I know he exists. Why is what he movie like Keanu are Reeves? you thinking he's of? Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? He's like, God exists. <clears throat> I know it. <laughs> is that Kevin Sorbo meets Keanu Reeves? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. God's not dead or something like that. Where it, it's a little bit overdramatic. A little bit. Feeds into a little bit of a martyr complex. Yeah. Of like, yeah. You know, I'm just going to spit out biblical things <clears throat> to you and hope something sticks. And if people like find me irritating, it's not because I'm actually annoying. Right. It's because Couldn't I'm, a, I'm a really good Christian. Right. 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 <laughs> so uh, th- then there's, so, you know, there's that famous phrase, right? Uh, preach the gospel at all times. Yeah. Use words if necessary. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that phrase? I think, well, one, everyone attributes it to St. Francis. He never said that. And then you've got like, there's a very distinctly reformed push against that. That's like, it's like you, you really do have to use words because the gospel is about words. It's about truths. But I want to push back even on that pushback. There is like the double pushback. The double pushback. It's never been done before. I know. (laughs) It's like something out of a Seinfeld episode. (laughs) It's never been done before. But there is some element of truth to that. And like you said, there are the two extremes. So scripture does call us like Christ says, let your light shine before men so that they will see your good deeds and glorify God. So there is something to living the life of a Christian and that being distinctive. We talked about in the last episode, liturgy, how the church looks different than the world, how it's a breath of fresh air. I think that there is something to that. Even just the Christian life is, is supposed to have that, like, it's supposed to look weird. So you have that on one side. And then you also have, like, the unique truths of Christianity about, like, Jesus dying to save humanity, the resurrection, um, like, all of this stuff that God has promised people who accept the Christian message. Those come together, like, the actions and the truths come together and, like, meld into this one perfect evangelism orb that's a weird way of putting it but like i think that's what we should be aiming for when we're trying to evangelize well that our lives will both like show christ to people but also we are having these like gospel conversations sound so christianese but yes like conversations about and doesn't even always have to be like overtly pull out your bible and go to colossians 2 and talk about jesus nailing the law to the cross but it could just be like hey like you ever thought about like beauty in the world and like what that does to like the human soul and like like why are you an atheist like, sounds you know? like a pickup line hey you do that about beauty in the world <laughs> i want to talk about the beauty of god what's then, the what's the what's the punchline there oh that was it no i mean i was just <clears> saying <throat> it sounded like the setup for a pickup oh line. i see you know what i'm saying brian and i are very good at pickup lines <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that's why we're we have a podcast so but yeah you're right i mean it's like why pick you know right, between actions right. and words why right. not just Exactly. Have actions and have words, you yeah, know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, so those are, again, we, those are two extremes that we talked about and yep. you want to find somewhere in the middle and we all veer towards one or the other. We get that, you know, but I think there's a principle of, you even said it with, okay, gospel conversations. I mean, you do want to talk about the truth. That's important, but you don't have to over-spiritualize. Right. Things. Exactly. And in fact, I think, I remember a pastor said this, it was a great advice about you know, small groups. And I think this, this applies to evangelism or discipleship. Just let it be what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people are different. People aren't cookie cutter, you know, all the same. So get to know the person who's a non-Christian mm-hmm. 
and just talk with them, hang out with them, you know, get some food with them. Yeah. Ask them about what they're interested in. Just listen to them, you know, yeah. be, be, be a human being to them. Uh, you don't need to have it look a certain way or compare yourself because people have different temperaments. Somebody who's maybe very extroverted, maybe may use a meeting, a one-on-one -on -one meeting time in a different way than someone who's more introverted or, you know, different temp, you know, temperaments. Like I said, it, it just, you don't want to just have a cookie cutter idea of what evangelism Absolutely. is supposed to look like. And if it doesn't look like this, you're being unfaithful in some way. I almost have like a second hot take that comes off of what you just a said. Double there. hot take. You guys are in for it. Like this is sometimes I think Christians come off weird in evangelism because they don't know how to like have friends. <laughs> like <laughs> they're how, weird in evangelism because they're weird in life. <laughs> I almost think that like, yeah, like you gotta imagine Jesus was like really good at relating to people. Like Jesus was talking to people from all walks of life and he can have right. conversations and include them and get to know them and all this sort of like those people skills are like, I mean, they're skills. They're not the sort of thing that you just like have born into you by virtue of becoming a Christian. You're not all of a sudden going to be good at talking to people. So I think one reason why like evangelism seems so forced and awkward and inorganic is because like God didn't intend for you to like walk up to your coworker at the water cooler no one has water coolers these days, but you walk up to your friend at the water cooler and just like, you know, ask them what they think about John 3.16. Like that's so, just thinking about it is but so cringy. I don't cringy. think people actually do that though. They go like. I mean, sure. You that's know, probably a mischaracterization, yes. but it's something along those lines. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it's more so the expectation of like, okay, evangelism, evangelism in the workplace looks like this. Sure. You know, and then you, you know, and. And then it, a lot of times it majors on guilt, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, I really should talk to Bob, you know, in my <laughs> cubicle next to me and I haven't. And, yeah. and then it kind of leads to these weird interactions and, but yeah, maybe it is. Maybe there's a lack of social skills. I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah. can we talk about that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got to think Peter, James, mm -hmm. fisherman, Jesus is a carpenter. These are blue collar guys. Right. I mean, they're interacting with people in their village. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just... They're they're normal dudes. They're, they're they're not these super heady, whatever academic types. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're guys who work with their hands, who are, are aware of, you know, the, the way that people interact in terms of commerce and trade. And I mean, they're they're just they're just versed in those everyday interactions. Mm. So that's you know maybe that that's something that could be a skill that people could learn sure absolutely i mean it absolutely is a skill that you can learn there are social graces there are certain things mm -hmm. and uh yeah i mean i think although it can be a caricature that christians are all weird i don't think that's entirely true but but there's some, of us some aspect of that where yeah. maybe we're just awkward and strange yeah you know and uh but it does go back to you know you don't want to um there's this weird shift where it's like you're relating to a friend just as a friend. You're hanging out and then you shift to like, okay, now it's evangelism mode. And then your, your mannerisms change. And yep. It sounds bizarre. It just feels manufactured. Yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. now you're on. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can tell. People are perceptive to that. And uh, so I, I, I think that we don't want to – Again, I think that comes from a pressure of like evangelism has to look like this. Sure. And just to like, we talked about the embodied theme last time. People are creatures, they're bodies. So treating them like they're just abstract minds by just giving them information 
is not like going to be the best form of evangelism. Right. So remember that like, so we talked about living your life a certain way, but also like arts, like, like, like movies that are, I'm not talking about like cheesy Christian movies, but like movies that have like deep themes that will naturally spark certain conversations. And they don't have to end up talking about the cross, but if they just talk about suffering or beauty or all these things, like God has suffused the world with all of these like deep elements that point to transcendence, right? This is why every culture in the world has religion, right? It's, it's like a very recent phenomenon in secularism that like we've just come to see the world as having no meaning, no transcendence, anything. So God has given us lots of resources in the world to like, like, you know, just, just talk about things. And those conversations, I think, in just my own personal experience, those are like some of the most fruitful conversations that like sometimes lead directly to the gospel, sometimes don't, but they're still like, they cement your relationships and friendships. They make you closer and they do like, they get people thinking, right? Uh, Greg Kukul talks about like leaving pebbles in people's shoes. And sometimes those conversations will do that. Like it'll get someone going like, huh, like that was, that was like a really interesting thing that I'd never thought about from that angle before, like God and beauty or like, you know, suffering and like, what's, what's, what's the, like, what's, what's the solution to all of it, right? Like, like the guy who like, you know, with like you watch Schindler's List and you look at like the Holocaust, like, is there ever going to be justice? Like, those are like deep and important questions that like in, in getting people to think about those, you've got lots of open doors. So again, it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to think I need to get to Colossians or John or Mark, but you can just have these conversations and let um, the themes sort of unfold and lead into those directions. And a lot of times people have never been engaged really substantially yeah. on these. Yeah. I noticed something doing youth ministry that a lot of the high schoolers, you know, they check out when you talk about the Bible or stuff like that, but but they would be really engaged when you talk about the newest Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. And they'd be talking about ideas about time and perception and memory and all these different things. So people have the capacity and, and students have the capacity to talk about these deep things. Maybe mm -hmm. they're just, maybe they just don't associate that with Christianity. Absolutely. So give people some credit. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we don't need to dumb things down. <clears throat> people are ready for these engaging sure. conversations. And, you know, beyond that, when, when you talk about, you know, the, 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 the motivations, you know, that we have, again, people are not projects. It's not just... Mm -hmm a transfer of information. Right. You know, there's a genuine relationship that's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before anybody like accuses us of like, you guys are downplaying the role of scripture or of talking explicitly about the gospel. I don't like, I don't think we're doing that at all. We're just, there are like some natural like means in the world that we can point to that like help us get to those conversations. So you look at like Paul, when he goes um, in Acts 17 and he's talking to the Greeks and the Greek speaking peoples there, he like looks at their culture. He like quotes from their poets and he looks at like the, 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 the icon, like to an unknown God, right? So he's familiar with all of their stuff. He's familiar with their art, their philosophy, their poetry. And then in that, in a very organic way, he connects it to the gospel. This God that you worship in ignorance or that you don't know, I've come to proclaim to you. So in the same way that like, you know, here's this movie that like talks about suffering or whatever. Well, like, you know, like Christianity offers a, a response to that. Like the God who created all of this knows what it's like to suffer so we can trust his goodness, right? Like there's a very natural tie. And I'm not saying it's always going to end up in that opportunity. If it does, like praise God, that's great. But just having those conversations and again, not seeing your friend or coworker as a project, like you don't want to make them, you don't want to make them feel like an agenda. You don't want to treat them just as an object. No, feel it. Yeah. I, I like the pebble analogy you use because 
when you have a long view in mind, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to get people from point A to point B. Right. Sometimes your job is just to get them from point A to point A1. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and if that's all it is, if that's all God has for you, just be grateful for that. Right. It's, it's not, every Christian doesn't need to seal the deal. And sometimes I tell people, you know, for students, you're reaching out to your roommate or whatever. It's like, bring them to church. Mm-hmm. Bring them to our college night. Sure. Yeah. I would love to meet them. Yeah. You're not supposed to be the only person doing this. Right. Right. And uh, it, you know, it takes a church to raise a Christian. I think maybe it takes a church to make a Christian. Sure. Yeah. And uh, Rosaria Butterfield has a great book called mm-hmm. "The Gospel Comes with a House Key." Yeah. In her yep. in her biography, talking or autobiography, if mm-hmm. uh, thoughts of an unlikely convert, you know, she talks about how she was converted. She was a radical, uh, very. Um, secular atheist uh she was in a lesbian relationship all these things and she became a christian because of the simple friendship of a pastor and the friendship of a community that opened up her their homes and hospitality plays a huge part in that absolutely but that takes time to build and it takes a willingness to sit with somebody open up your home open up your life and let them come in i mean you look through the gospels how many times jesus and disciples meet in homes Mm -hmm. they're in homes and reclining at tables over meals and uh, it's not an excuse to not talk about the gospel. And again, we're, we're, we're not doing the whole, did not, you need to use the truth. You need to say hard things, mm-hmm. obviously. But it's a holistic view. Right. It's understanding people as people. And what happens is when they get invited into your life, when they see the integrity of your character, and it gives a thickness to your witness. You're not just, again, winning an argument you're inviting them to see the fruit, what it looks like for a family or a person to live under the blessing of God, to live in the people of God, and to mm-hmm. see that that's not just something true. It's something that's compelling and something that they might actually desire for themselves. Right. I think I think that point that you brought up is, is like e- extremely important and often like underemphasized that like part of evangelism, apologetics, like all this stuff is you're trying to show people that Christianity is beautiful and compelling rather than like getting them to see that it's true. Like you can give arguments and all that stuff. I don't think a lot of them are compelling, but like imagine like two people, an atheist and a Christian, both on the side of the road, painting a picture of what they think the world looks like. I think the Christian's picture looks better. They just need to like do a good job of portraying it. Like they're both looking out into the world. The atheist sees it in this way through this worldview. The Christian sees it through this other worldview. There's a God who loves creation, who like lives in creation, who gives himself to humanity, all this sort of stuff. That picture is more beautiful. And evangelism is just getting people to see the beauty of Christianity. If someone thinks Christianity is beautiful, but not true, they're like 90% of the way there. Right. No one, No one ever goes like, oh man, like Christianity is so beautiful, but like, I can't accept it. No, usually the charge is like, Christianity is like weird. It's difficult. It's like, that's not what I, like, I would never do that. It's, it's horrible. How could a God do this? All these sorts of things. But if someone gets to the point where they think like, man, this whole picture that you presented is so beautiful. I just wish I could accept it. Then they're just at that same level of the, the man in, in Mark 9 who brings his demon possessed son to Jesus. Lord, help my unbelief, right? Like I, I see this picture. It's beautiful. It's compelling. I don't believe it. Help me believe it that like they're basically like most of the work is done. And it's a powerful witness. I think it's what C.S. Lewis does well. G.K. Mm-hmm. Chester and some of these great writers oh, yeah. do well. I remember listening to a podcast where I think it was mere orthodoxy where, where the guys were talking about how 
you know, doctrines are like the infrastructure of a house, mm -hmm. but you don't just want to show people your sheetrock. Yeah. The sheetrock. <laughs> you also want to show how you live in this house, how right. you furnish it. Yeah. Right. That Christianity is not just these propositions. They <laughs> certainly are. They're not less than that, mm -hmm. but what the, like J Jesus died for you, right. Or, or, you know, God sent Christ to die for your sins. You can have that gift of salvation by faith. Mm -hmm. okay, that's a that's a phrase you have to believe. Right. What does that look like when it's embodied by people? What kind of joy does that bring? What kind of how does that mold a family? I think about in our interview with Guillaume, mm -hmm. uh, where he talked about, you know, he had been sexually promiscuous, and he's talking to this pastor, and and the pastor isn't judging him for it. Right. He's not. He's obviously not approving of the sin, but he's saying he recognizes he's not a Christian and. He's listening to him. He's allowing him to be a messy sinner. Right. Right. And he's inviting him into his life. So Guillaume is compelled. And what ends up making him think, well, maybe I shouldn't be sleeping around. Well, he sees the beauty of this pastor's marriage mm -hmm. and the beauty of monogamy, and the beauty of, of a man loving his wife and kids. That's a great testimony. And look, I mean, the Apostle Paul says, a marriage relationship is supposed to reflect Christ's relationship to the church. It's mm -hmm. a gospel billboard. It's right. outward focused, right? It's not just for the husband and wife. It's for the community looking into that home and seeing that's a picture of the love of, of Christ for his own. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's an evangelistic picture that, that people can see and, 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 and rejoice in and, and, and be like, hey, that, that's something that I wish was true. I wish I could get there. Right. But I can't. Yeah. And you can be like, well, you can. Yeah, yeah, You can. And I think, I think the compellingness also comes from the just the coherence of Christianity, which right. Guillaume also talked about. Like, you don't have to, like, be able to give positive arguments for Christianity. But I think Christians are supposed to be able to explain how, like, all the pieces fit together. Right. Give a defense for the hope you have. Right. Like... So like, here's like, here's the, like the Christian view of salvation. Here's the view of like incorporation into the church. Here's like the sexual ethics. Here's the whatever. And it all fits together into this picture so that even if the unbeliever goes like, I don't believe that, but at least like, man, like that all fits together. Like right. it's not, it's not ad hoc or contrived or like a bizarre conspiracy theory. Make sure they theory. know what they're rejecting. Right. Exactly. And I think like the coherence of it, Guillaume talks about like just the fact that like this pastor was able to give him like, okay, here's like what Christ's death does and like why baptism incorporates us into the death of and rising of Christ and all this stuff. Like it is, it's coherent in that like the pieces fit together. And I think that coherence itself can be compelling. So you don't like, you don't have to do positive apologetics. You don't have to do all this stuff. I think sometimes it's sufficient to be able to just go like, look, this is the view. Like in science, when you've got like a theory, when you're like judging between two theories on which to accept, the one that explains the data more elegantly, like the one that doesn't have to resort to bizarre like gymnastics to explain all the data, that's the preferred one. And I think Christianity has that. Like it takes like the brokenness of humanity, sin, the need for salvation, justice, all of this stuff and explains it really elegantly without having to like contrive answers. And that itself, the coherence of the picture is beautiful. Get him a good, another simple practice, get him a good translation of the Bible. Yeah. But that's also readable. Like, so the NLT, the New Living Translation, mm -hmm. it's got a lot of great scholars in it. And it's great for new believers when it's such a foreign world. And be like, why don't you read John? John's always the go-to, right? Yeah. But it's a great, you know, or Mark, if they want a shorter thing. Just have them read it and ask all the crazy questions they want and talk to them about it. I mean, a lot of it's just going to do itself. 
Sure. You just let the word, let them sit there, let them be <laughs> like, wow. I mean, one again, another thing, back to Guillaume, one of the things he did, he read the Bible by himself and mm -hmm. he was compelled by Jesus. Right. And we, sometimes we're just like, duh, yeah. like <laughs> God, you, you know, walked among us. And so you can see what he's like. And sure. he's the most fascinating person who ever lived. I mean, that, that sometimes we just make it so much harder on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Let them open the Bible, read it with them. Just talk about it. Right. Just talk about it. Um, I, I, I do... I do want to ask you about apologetics, though. What do you think is the role? Like when we talk about <clears throat> apologetics, we're talking about a, a reasoned defense of the faith. Right. A lot of times when you see debates about Christianity or movies about defending the faith, they're talking about apologetics. Yeah. What is the role of apologetics in evangelism? So notice how like when when where we get the word apologetics from apologia in First Peter 3.15, be ready to give an answer like there. It's, it's not talking about like building a positive case for Christianity. Like people who try to show, you know, here's like historical evidence that the resurrection happened or here's like evidence from the Big Bang that therefore like there has to be a God. I think those, I, one, I think those approaches don't work. I mean, we could do like a more fleshed out episode just totally on that. But I think the role of like good apologetics is what you see in like C.S. Lewis, for example, like mere Christianity. There he's like just giving uh, a, like a coherent articulation of the Christian faith and answering objections. So like, I think good apologetics does that. Like, well, how can like a good God allow evil? Like, what are some responses there? So there you're like providing a defense of something that's a core tenet of Christianity. Or how, how can God like take on a human body? Like what, what is, what is the incarnation? So there you're just, you're really just doing like good theology. Like you're articulating the doctrines of Christianity in a way that people who are not in the Christian faith can understand you them. You're making it accessible. You're yeah. making it accessible, yeah. right. So like, and that's, so notice that approach that I just outlined versus like, you know, here's like four reasons to think like uh, Jesus was raised from the dead or like the universe had a beginning, therefore God caused all this. Like that, that's a very different approach. And I, I don't think those are as worthwhile and compelling it can yeah. be discouraging too because you feel like I got to know all the arguments, memorize everything. Right now, I think you should study. But oh yeah, absolutely. But there are also people on YouTube who've already answered those questions. You might as well just give them the link. You yeah. don't have to know all those things. And I think it discourages people from doing what they can do. Mm -hmm. I think if anything, the most practical thing with evangelism, you know, like we said, keep it simple. Don't over spiritualize it. Let it be what it is. You know, be a human with them. You mm -hmm. don't have to have all the answers. You can say I don't know. It's not the end of the world. But Two, it's like, you know, if you're the only way to get over your fear of evangelism is to just do it scared. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just yeah. talk about it. And you'll be amazed how receptive people actually are. I, I actually think I, I just think there's sometimes the the atheist boogeyman. First of all, most people you're going to talk to aren't going to say they're atheists. Right. They're going to say they're vaguely spiritual. And they'll yep. probably the worst thing they'll say to you is, man, that's cool. And I respect that you believe that mm -hmm. Okay, you can take that. Yeah. That's not a big deal. Yeah. Right. They're not going to persecute you usually or probably not, you know, so. <laughs> or force you to debate in front of the whole class. <laughs> exactly. So you can just calm down and just talk to them from what you know. And the great thing is, you know, you can just you can listen. You can ask questions. You can use your church. You can have other people help you if you don't know the answers. You don't have to do this all on your own. And. You can just take it piece by piece. You don't have to have it all figured out. Maybe just take one little step, you know, to have a conversation. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times you, you can even just ask them. I mean, I, 
what, what stopped you from being a Christian? Yeah. I mean, something as simple yeah, as that. Yeah, or, sure. Would you want to be a Christian right now? Mm -hmm. Who knows? Sometimes they're like ready and they just don't know what to do. Yeah. So have a little faith. That's true. Have a little confidence in this. And, you know, I think people, when they think, again, when they think of evangelism, they think about, you know, nuclear grade apologetics, answering everything, <laughs> knowing every verse, just being so sure and everything, you know, and it's, it's not like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's have the long view in mind, keep it simple, let it be what it is, and use your church, use the Bible. I mean, you you can testify to that, right? Like as yeah. someone who didn't grow up in a Christian home. Right. Like what were some of the things that, you know, compelled you or pushed you to, you know, explore Christianity I just further? enjoyed being around these people. Right. They weren't like super being, weird or off-putting. Or I saw their life. Yeah. You know, I shared meals with them. And we had long conversations till two in the morning. Mm -hmm. And they said, I don't know. Yeah. Right. And then they pointed me to online resources. And we just had more and more conversations. And, you know, that's my story. But sometimes it's different for other people. And, you know, we don't we don't want them to be overly programmatic about this because you lose the vitality and sort of the organic nature of of what this process is like. Not mm. to say that I mean, I'm not saying that tracks are bad or I think there are great evangelism illustrations, you know, the bridge. You know, I don't know too much about the four spiritual laws, but I know a lot of people use that. Mm -hmm. So there are some great tools that we should use, um, but they're, they're tools, right? Right. And you have to use tools with discretion based on the situation, based on who you're talking to, and you'll know the right time. And, you know, we can talk all we want, but if you have a non-Christian friend, pray for them and talk to them about something deep, interesting. Ask mm -hmm. them about death. Ask them about you know, their thoughts on different things and see where that leads. Right. And just take one little step and then take the next step and the next step and the next step. You don't have to tackle it all at one time. And I think you would be very surprised at some of the cool things that God will do. Well, and just to touch on the corporateness that you mentioned at the start, like remember that like <clears throat> when someone becomes a Christian, they're not just, it's not just them, Jesus and the Bible. Like right. they're being they're included baptized. into a community. Yeah, right. Baptize them. Right. In the name of the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And that means discipleship and right. yep, yeah. Bring them into the church. Right. Exactly. So like 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 you said, exposing them to the church, to people in your small group, to and so so it's the case that like even if you like graduate and leave, they might still have that connection, right? So it's not just all on you. Right. And you're not going to be the only like connection they have to Christianity. Nor should you be. No, right. right. You, that, you might that's be the opening. Much. Right. You might be the gateway. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But uh you have a church behind you. I right. can't stress that enough. Mm -hmm. I think people would feel so much less of a burden if they went, it's not just me reaching out to this friend and mm -hmm. my work, but it's me and my small group. It's right. me and my church, mm -hmm. me and the pastors in my church who are praying for that person. Like this is a team effort, right? Right. And you can use all the diverse gifts of the body of Christ to aid in that effort. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's too, right? too neat. reinventing the wheel, right? Yep. Great conversation. Hopefully this helps you guys out. And uh, we'd love for you to leave a review, leave a comment. Love to hear from you. And uh, we'll be back next week to continue this series. We're out. <laughs>